Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Mitch Michaels, Kenny Ducey, Zachary Cohn, Z Cohn here. It's Tennis Bets Live into February. We figured we'd get the gang back together uh, with some tennis action. Give an update for all these tournaments. We've got a big March coming up. But there's a lot of fireworks on the calendar. We're going to go around the horn for a second, talk about our picks, what we like, and uh, really just you know, do a vibe check on all the action going into February and into March. Uh, Kenny Ducey is in your top right corner of your screen. Kenny, what have you been up to this these last couple of weeks in the tennis scope of things? How have you enjoyed the action and what's really stood out to you? It's hard to say. I mean, you know, three tournaments going on. It's very fun. I'm just I think I was taking a moment to just collect my thoughts and think about what I've actually watched the most. I think I've just enjoyed watching clay court tennis the most, if I have to be honest with you. Mm. Um, you know, these early starts in the day. I mean, I. It, from an actionable perspective, I know there's been some great matches. We saw Dimonor Dimitrov. Like there have been some uh, some good tournaments, but other than like you know, I would say Marseille, like Rotterdam. For some reason, maybe it's the crowd, maybe it's the spotlight court. It's never really excited me. It's never really been an exciting atmosphere there. And then Doha as well. Uh, I think the French tournaments were very fun, but right now, yeah, my my focus has shifted towards the clay. And uh, Los Cabos has actually been really, really great as well. We've had a lot of great players down there um, and a few storylines to watch, like Diego Schwartzman deciding just to give up <laughs> on Golden Swing and go to Los Cabos. I don't know well, what yeah. went into that decision, but, you know, a lot of fun things are happening. And uh, I, I will say without uh, without spending any more time, we also have to talk about Jacob Mensik. That's probably been the biggest story of uh, of tennis over the last week. Yeah, I was looking at it right now while we record. Uh, that match is live. He's up a set it's late in the second and it's fluctuating but rublev's a slight favorite still it looks like it's 30 all in that in that six five game in the second set so we'll monitor that i would say if you like rublev this is the window he's either going to lose the match or be a prohibitive favorite as you guys know the uh the los cabos thing is interesting zico we're gonna get to you here in a second but mention all these events going on uh around the world literally los cabos changes its point in the calendar to this part of the year kind of cannibalizes some of the people that like to play both the Golden Swing and Los Cabos. But as Kenny said, for 250, it's absolutely stacked. But in all that said, what else has stood out to you during the tennis calendar here? Uh, yeah, I'm with Kenny. I've been watching mostly clay court tennis. I think that it's been great to watch so far. I kind of think that this tournament in Doha is a bit of a mess. Like the conditions are just so bad that it's really not even tennis that we're watching. So I haven't really enjoyed watching that one so far. But yeah, uh, I'm going to continue watching Clay. Uh, I think that you know rivaling Mensik is Diaz Acosta. I think that's been a really fun story over mm-hmm. the last two weeks, and it's a player that I'm on today. So yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him. Well, yeah, there's uh, there's not there's more than one person on Diaz Acosta here today, <laughs> and I will also point out that uh, we have our first premier women's event of the year. Uh, a thousand event in Dubai, full fireworks. We've got, well, we don't know what the semis are yet, but it's going to be 
if ever there was a uh, argument for reseeding, it's going to be how you look at this graphic for the final four there. But there's a lot of action uh, around the world. And really, Kenny, how these players pick their schedules, I think, is another way to look at it. You know, as someone that follows the betting trends, maybe it's not so much how they're doing this part of year, but you see these guys playing clay court tennis in Rio. Even if it's players you haven't heard of or players that are supposed to go to college, that might set you up better down the stretch by paying attention to how they do on certain surfaces. Yeah, I mean, and look, we look at the rise of Francis Tiafo, and that's one of the things I've always gone back and looked at is when you look at the beginning of the year, I believe it was in 2020 or 2021, just after the pandemic, he goes down and plays Golden Swing, which I thought was a huge step because obviously, you know, he won Delray Beach before, he could play Delray Beach. I mean, to, to take the time to go down and practice your clay court tennis for future use, obviously, because we have clay court masters. We have a clay court grand slam. So that's a decision that a lot of players will make. And I think it's I think it's interesting. But also, you know, you look at matches that guys just need. I mean, look at a Jacob Mensik, for example, this year, uh, you know, or, or even uh, an Alexander Kovacevic, who's made a great run in Los Cabos. Sometimes for players who are just trying to break into the top 75, the top 100, even the top 125, you get a bad luck. You get a lot of bad luck first round in, in main draws because you run into a top 20 player. So eventually, sometimes you find the right top 20 player, so to speak, to play uh, or the, the right top 30 player to play. And you can finally make a run at a tournament for the first time ever. So it's a fun time of year for guys like that as well, who maybe fade going to the stack tournaments, yeah. right? Like, uh, I mean, Los, Los Cabos is pretty stacked and congrats to Kova, but um, you know, I mean, it, it, you're yeah. right. It's definitely about how you schedule out your season and how you pick your spots with, with the, the field set because it can yeah. definitely help you out in the long run. We saw that too, right? It could change. Cam Norrie always did the Delray run, and then he switched to the Golden Swing last year uh, with the win over Alcaraz, another final in there. Want to do some housekeeping as well before we go forward. Uh, Yannick Sinner won the Rotterdam title last week, 12-0 and on the season. Zico uh, is playing the best tennis in the world right now, but more than anything – it seems like, and from a betting perspective, you can kind of analyze this too. It just feels like he's so process-oriented with how he goes about his business. His floor is really raised these last couple of weeks. I think we kind of knew that he could give the best players matches and beat them, but he's bringing a new baseline, not literally from the baseline, but he's bringing an average level higher up each time. It's something special to watch. He grinded out a couple of these wins, but here he is still undefeated in 2024. Yeah, I think you just said it really well. He raised his floor a lot. I think that that's something that's really improved with him is the fact that he could win matches when he's not really playing his best tennis. And it just kind of feels like with Carlos now being injured and kind of struggling a bit, it does kind of feel like this is Sinner at the top of the men's game right now, almost unrivaled. I mean, I know that Djokovic is on his level still. Like I'm not going to knock him off, but it does feel like Sinner is the best player on tour currently. Kenny, do you think Sinner's schedule, I mean, because really there's no holes in what he's doing right now. It's been perfect. But how he plays, what he decides to play, is that the next step for him to kind of be maybe smarter or smartish with his schedule? Yeah, and I think Carlos Alcaraz can learn a few lessons, right? I mean, we obviously talked last year all about his schedule, how he played way too many matches. And two years running, he tired himself out by the end. And yes, he was the U.S. Open champion, but he also had to uh, go to three five-set matches when he finally won his first Grand Slam. And like I said, you know, it's it, you look at after Wimbledon going to play the Hopman Cup, I mean, there's a lot of examples of players young in their career just wanting to play all the time. Stefano Tsitsipas. If Stefano Tsitsipas decided to be a little more mindful after losing Roland, I mean, obviously took a little bit of time off after losing Roland Garros, but like, 
you know, were there ways that he could have continued to be at the top of the game if he just kind of managed his expectations and said, okay, well, here's a tournament I'm going to do really well at, like Rotterdam, slow indoor hard courts, I'll play there. Of course, he never plays well there, but I think it makes sense for him to play well there. All that said, yes, I think conserving your energy throughout a season is important. It's also, we should mention, a lot easier to do it when you want a grand slam to start the year, then you don't need points. Then you're like, well, and money. Yeah. You're like, okay, well, yeah. uh, I'll just mm -hmm. play the bare minimum and I'll pick my spots. And for some yeah. players, they don't have that option. I would also say, as you brought up Alcaraz, you know, he rolls his ankle in that match out of Rio. And, you know, it, it, luckily, thankfully, it doesn't appear to be very serious. These things can happen. Like, I'm not going to say rolling an ankle is like, oh, this guy's got issues. But doesn't it kind of feel Zico? And again, we have him at such high standards because he has won two Grand Slams, but a little snake bitten for Alcaraz out of the gate here. Yeah, and it just kind of feels like his early success is building the pressure for him. Like, I feel like if, you know, he goes this entire year without winning a Grand Slam, we're going to look at him as some type of big failure. Like, he's not, which is not, it's not fair to him to put that expectation on him. But at the same time, like, you know, seeing Sinner find this success as a guy his age, like, we do want to see him play well. So these injuries are definitely a bit of a bummer. Hopefully he's back and ready to go for the French Open, where I do think that he will be the favorite. I also the, uh, would add, by the way, that yeah. it does, it is, it's sad for Carlos, but I think it does help us as betters because of hopefully, you know, we see even with Sinner now and after Alcaraz rises to the top and gets to number one and wins a Grand Slam, the lines are ridiculous on these guys. So it's going to probably create some future value on Carlos. Uh, if he continues to just be second or third best in the world, yeah. we'll be able to maybe have an opportunity to bet him at plus money against some of the elites or at a pick em. So that would be great. Before we get to some picks, I did want to mention as well on the women's side, we're one semifinal away. Coco and Kalinskaya are about to go. We got three of the four in Dubai, that first Masters, uh, first 1,000 of the year. Got to shout out what Igas Fiontek's doing back to her winning ways in the Middle East. Seco turning turning the Middle East really into her own personal crown jewel. So shouts out to yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, the, the problem with Igas, it's like she could be rolling like this and then you just get the bad match from her very randomly. And it's like, you know, there's never any trend to it. It's never something that continues over the course of a couple of weeks. Yeah. Just, it comes and goes and like, that's it. You just flush it. I had one thing, Kenny, and I'll throw it over to you. I, I agree with Zico, although maybe not in the Middle East. Like, the bad matches just don't happen here. The other thing is, I go the other way. Like, I'm really impressed because her serve has a lot of work to do, and she's still winning these matches. So, if anything, she's tinkering with her game and still winning. So, maybe she's going to unlock something down the road. She might not, but this is just more impressive to me because she's not even serving that well. Yeah, and I think, like, honestly, what we've seen over the last year is that she's not a perfect player. She does have flaws. You mentioned the serve. Um, you know, she she obviously, her forehand is, is all world, but has the tendency sometimes to just lose it, right? And so I think the ability for her to just continue to respond, I mean, after one of the more shocking upsets of, his, of, her, of her career, you know, uh, no disrespect to Noskova whatsoever, but... Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty shocking defeat at the Australian Open, and she comes right back and just reels off a bunch of wins, wins Doha, uh, another dominant performance over Kinwin Zhang to move to 6-0 in her career. So I think, yeah, there's a lot to be positive about with Iga, and I almost feel like maybe the same you know, trajectory, maybe Carlos can resemble the same trajectory with, okay, we know he's human, and then, well, how does he respond to this, and uh, you know, what kind of player can he become? Because we've already known that the serve with Carlos is a concern. I mean, we saw even in uh, Buenos Aires how his serve was just, I mean, he, he was having a hard time holding serve. Uh, and eventually it cost him a match against Nico Jari. So 
you know, I mean, that's there, there's always these things to work on. But if you can win despite your weaknesses and then shore them up in the future like this, it's always impressive. So I think, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's remaining scary uh, that that yeah. she's going to continue to win these matches. Yeah, the women's the women's game has a couple real contenders, and they look great at times. But there is the uh, the uh, ability for an upset. I think that's what we kind of wanted all these years with some real tough players, but not just straightforward matches. Uh, we have one pick on the panel for the women's side today, Zico. It's about to tip off or about to start right now in a few minutes here. But you like Kalen Sky plus one point five one and a half sets against Coco Goff. Coco won a battle against Pliskova. Has played a lot of tennis recently. Kalen Sky, maybe the best tennis of her life. What led you to this pick here? Really, just what you said. Callan's guy is playing really well right now. I think she's 12 and 3 in her last 15 matches, really, since she got to Australia, not even the Australian Open, since she got to Adelaide. She's been one of the best players in the world. I think you could really just have to kind of ignore the number 40 next to her name and kind of treat her as a top 15 player. And I do think that, you know, you're playing Coco, who I think is somewhat flawed, as, you know, as flawed as, you know, the top four players in the women's game get. I mean, you can still attack that forehand. They're, you know, loose service games from Coco still. I do think that if Cal and Skaya can just kind of stay solid from the baseline, she'll have a chance to just really go after the golf forehand. Yeah, it's interesting because Cal and Skaya appears to be in a lot of close, deep third set matches. So looking at the odds, I think she's about plus 235. It's probably worth Yeah, just put sprinkle. that in. Thanks, Nico. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I, See, I love Cal Sky. Cal Sky won me a lot of money this year so far. So looking to, and golf struggled against Pliskova. Didn't look yep. great. She did. I thought part of that match, though, I mean, there was that horrendous call and there's issues. Golf didn't look great against, um, you know, again, she lost to Siniakova. But, Kenny, I can also feel with Coco in a weird way. It sounds kind of sacrilegious to say, but if she's playing someone that pushes a little bit, that's worse for her than playing like a Sablanka type that she can just defend to be the best athlete on the court. Oh, 100%. I think Callan Sky is one of those interesting players, too, that can just get a lot back, but then take a backhand down the line out of nowhere. And uh, I, I think that's what makes her really tricky to play. There's a lot of unpredictability in her game, and especially with her her frame. Like, it's not like she strikes you as a power player, but she can be. So I think that's a very troublesome matchup for Goff. I think that she's going to have a lot of tough forehands to hit. So uh, that's, that's going to be one I'm going to uh, be watching here as I uh, pack for Vermont. She wins, yeah. Nice plug for the state of Vermont. Uh, if she wins, she will get Ega, so we'll monitor that. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, we're moving along here on Tennis Bets Live. Follow us on, uh, watch the shows on YouTube, Tennis Bets, Twitter, Tennis.com, Facebook. You can listen to the podcast as well. We'll go through some picks and flash some odds and then maybe wrap it up here with some futures. But, uh, Kenny, on that regard, you mentioned talking a lot about Rio and being, you know, watching a lot of clay court t- tennis. So want to get to some of your picks. Uh, Got to talk about the kid. 
because what Fonseca did to uh, Arthur Fees yesterday was stunning. You like him minus 110 over Christian Green in Rio. So we're riding the soon-to-be or maybe never-to-be Virginia College tennis player. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if he's going to make it there. I mean, we've, we've seen it over the years with uh, Ben Shelton leaving early, Jensen Brooksby not going to Baylor. He also, by the way, he's coming back very soon. But yeah, Jao Fonseca is the real deal, I think. I think he's really good. I think we've seen what's happened to a lot of these Brazilians in Rio. They've had a lot of support there. They've uh, produced a lot of amazing tennis. Uh, speaking of amazing tennis, Jacob Mensik just taking out Andre Rubov in two sets, which is very impressive. But yeah, I, I think Fonseca gets it going again. I was really impressed with Kristen Garin. I, uh, I actually did uh, double dip on him live against RCB. Uh, despite the fact that he was cramping, uh, but he was cramping pretty bad there. And, you know, I think there's somebody who said that he just has not played and won a lot of matches. He's had a lot of issues physically. He had to retire against Zapata Morales in Cordoba and comes back out and has some issues with his leg. Again, I said it was cramps because he didn't really get real treatment. He was just kind of <laughs> trying to drink some fluids and get through it, almost positive it was cramping. And usually, like, that's not something that you're like, okay, well, this guy cramped this match. He's, you know, he's not going to win again. But I do feel like if there's any sort of variables in this match that could tilt Fonseca's way, I already think he should be a favorite here. So, uh, yes, I'm going to take him at a pick him here. I thought he looked really impressive against Fisu. Yeah, Fisu out of form, but in that second set, really produced some of his better tennis, still managed to lose in that second set yeah. to Fonseca. I like him here. I think it's solid. I think, you know, Fee's playing someone younger than him for the first time and losing was an interesting dynamic too, not the young kid in that matchup. Uh, Rio, which did have, had one of the matches suspended with Rain, Samuel Wild and Munar still have to finish their matchup, but hopefully some good weather in that one. Uh, we have a synergy pick. Both of you fellas are on Diaz Acosta over Baez. Now this is very interesting, and, and Zico's starting first because we know he's riding high after winning the title as first of his career in Buenos Aires. Talking to somebody earlier this week, they specifically mentioned Baez and how Diaz Acosta is kind of a late bloomer. These two guys came up together. It was Baez that had the early success, but explain to me why you're riding the hot hand and his fellow countrymate in this one in a slight upset. I think I was just really impressed with the way that Diaz Acosta handled wearing, uh, Stan. I just thought that that was a potential, you know, letdown spot after winning probably the biggest tournament of your career. So I think that he's been kind of the rising star of this this little clay court swing. I think that, you know, he has a little bit of a better serve than Baez, which is going to be big in this type of match. And yeah, I just think that his game from the baseline is going to give Baez a lot of trouble. I think he has, you know, the, the trickery and the power to, to just kind of throw him off a little bit. I'm not a guy that... I, don't, I just don't trust Baez very much in spots where he's playing players that are as good as him from the baseline because I do think that that serve is problematic. Yeah, Kenny, um, watching him beat Jari in that final and just seeing how he handled the moment was pretty impressive. But to Zico's point, and you know, Stan being like a legend of the game, I know his form is not what it was, but it was a very impressive. We're just always waiting for the letdown, and to not have him see it there, I think, is the sign we're, we're kind of eyeballing here. Yeah, and I mean, I will say I bet Diaz Acosta every single match in Buenos Aires. It was an incredible ride. I believe he was an underdog in every match or almost all of them. Um, and I think the biggest testament we could say for him in this match is that I saw someone rip Stan for being washed and should retire because a guy came off a flight, uh, you know, <laughs> after playing four days straight. I mean, I think that's the greatest testament to why this guy's going to win because if everyone's just going to complain that he's going to continue to win – uh, I, it's a, it's the old adage of you can you can keep making mis you can keep making excuses until eventually you have to admit that this guy's good. 
Uh, it's just a different Diaz Acosta this year. I don't know. I've been saying that uh, that line, and I just don't know what else to really say. I mean, he's just played much better. And when you look even back to the Australian Open win, or, or excuse me, near win against Taylor Fritz, a lot of people look at that. They go, oh, Fritz, terrible, right? Okay, well, uh, that there's just a very easy explanation for why he made, you know, he made that match so close. And okay, well, um, you know, he 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 beat a couple of guys. Like Sarundalo, terrible, right? No, I think Sarundalo played really well in that match in Buenos Aires. Altmaier as well. Like I thought he's played some really good levels. Corey Anjari also playing great tennis. I think he's beaten a lot of guys playing at near their best or at their best, and you know, nearly beat Taylor Fritz with the incredible defense he was able to play. So yeah, I think yes, this match did go Baez's way pretty easily in Cordoba. I would also mention that the first set was really close. Um, he broke back to get it to two all. He nearly broke again to get it to three all. And then obviously what ends up happening with these big favorites sometimes, especially when Baez has more of the crowd support than Diaz Acosta in Argentina, they'll run away. Um, and, you know, I, I think this is just going to be a much different match. I think Diaz Acosta after a title, after one of her stands, going to come in with a lot more confidence. And he's just, as Zico said, very, very tricky. He plays incredible defense. And Baez is a guy that I have not seen play amazing tennis this year. I think he did look decent against Quarantine Mutet in that second set. But again, it's about that first set, right? He trailed by a break yeah. twice. I mean, I still don't know how Mutet didn't even win that <laughs> match, let alone win a set. I, yeah. I, that was the only match I think I've lost in the last three days. But, um, you know, it, and, and and sad to see it because Mutet is <laughs> it's your guy, up. yeah. Yeah, it's Mutet yeah. and Evans lost yesterday, yeah. by the way. I know. Huh? <laughs> Mutet and Evans both lost. I'm actually yeah. surprised you did this show knowing both those guys <laughs> lost. I didn't think you'd be getting out of bed. But, no, I mean, you're a professional. I saw, I saw someone on Twitter say, like, if you take out Dan Evans' four title wins, he has four wins and like 34 matches. And I, that's just like my least favorite argument in sports. Like just, just pretend like it's like a starting pitcher. That's in baseball. Well, they just say that about away the three bad yeah. starts. Like, no, 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 no. Like, Dan Evans like, had four yeah. title run or like four incredible yeah. runs at big tournaments. Why are we just going to ignore uh, that? He can yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Is that's, he streaky? Does he get into bad ruts? Yes. But come on, that's, man. Come that's on. the staying argument too. Like, you know, oh, he had the three runs, but it wasn't as consistent. Well, he won three majors and beat the number one player in the world. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out the upset one final. Mensik defeats Rublev in straight 7-6 in that tie break. So another win, the biggest win this guy's had. And, and well, be like a, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to say real quick, while we're talking about random topics we see on yeah. Twitter, can we just please stop eulogizing the one-handed backhand? I we just do, I know that Dan Evans hits a one-handed back. We just don't need it in tennis. No. Shot. It should have retired to Roger Federer, and I can't get over the number of people crying that there's no. Mind you, the fact that there's no one-handed backhand in the top ten is like the weirdest stat and the most meaningless thing ever. It just it just shows yeah. you Stefan Tsitsipas has fallen off a cliff. And yes, it's it should have retired Roger Federer. It only reason people like it is because it looks cool. I mean, how many yeah, times? There's no, it's just stupid. There's no real prospect. Like, we were looking at the prospects. Like, who's going to be the next young kid? And it's like, ah, with a one-handed backhand, that might I be tough. none. That'd be great. Yeah. Zico, I just wanted to ask you, Mensik. I mean, we're starting to see, like, the Czech men's tennis, like, you know, the new revolution coming through. No, we're not. Least, uh, yeah. <laughs> and no? Okay, two 18-year-olds coming up. Two 18 to 21-year-olds, I should say. But, yeah, I mean, Mensik's fun to watch. He's got a big, four, he's got a big forehand, big serve, and, like, mixes in that drop shot. I just think... 
you know, it was really impressive to see him not lose to Murray after blowing a double break lead in that second set. So I, I thought that was a really impressive win. And then this one, I mean, I was looking at taking Rublev this morning to win this tournament because I thought that his draw was really favorable and I didn't end up doing it, thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, just, it's just sad for me. It, it's honestly like I, I, I won on Mensik today at plus 550. And, you know, we, we've I'm <clears> sure <throat> that we both won on Mensik a few times over the last week. But it is hard for me to watch this. Because knowing that I had him to beat QB Hercotch at the Australian Open and he was two sets to one up and, and like easily could have won that match. I like mm-hmm. just made way too many errors and it was a grand slam yeah. match. I think maybe that was it against the top player. But, uh, you know, I wish he could have won that match. But yes, I mean, Mahach and Mensik, and don't forget about Vic Capriva, some good Czech Republic players um, coming up and one uh, on the, on already on the downswing at 22 years old, which is sad to see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, see, that's uh, where. That- I knew you were going to take it there. I was actually going with Mahach. Like, I wasn't going with the Yuri Oheka stuff when I said, like, we have an upswing. But, of course, it always goes back to Yuri. Who, uh, <laughs> what were you saying earlier? Yuri about, Vestal, you know, yeah, no, he, he's not bad. I mean, the like, thing is, he just, he just, you know, he has a big serve and that's it. Uh, wanted to want to keep moving with Pig Zico because in Doha, I don't know what you, we, you know, you texted me last night. I'm not sure what you actually got it on or if you played. But did you go Ugo minus 175 Malfis? Because that number is way up as of now yeah i played the 175 i realized shortly after i was texting with you that i was not getting better than that i don't really like laying this much juice but i think it was worth it because i don't want to have to worry about two and a half games i mean if that's the only way you can get in i think you should i just think monfils looks really tired i i think that he's had to work way too hard in these first two matches i know that's kind of his thing to look tired and play possum but he really looks tired, and I think he was really fortunate to escape with wins in both these matches. So <laughs> I think this is yeah. a good spot for Umber. I, I think that, you know, his weakness is the return game. Like, these courts are kind of slowing that down for him, and he has the power with that big lefty serve to just power through it. So I think this is a really good really good conditions for him. The Bodic meltdown was one of the funniest things I've Oh, my gosh. So I got came from you... nowhere to me. I, I... I know. I, yeah, not the guy I would have picked to, to have a meltdown and a tiebreak to cost himself the match. But, um, yeah, I think it's been a hard season for him. I don't know. I think that's yeah. been building. I mean, you look at the loss to Jerry Shang in China. I mean, I just feel like, it, and he's had some bad draws. You're in the center round one. I, I, I think that's more of a result of like the progressive frustration of this season because he knows like he almost beat Medi at a at a slam, he knows he can do it, right? And and he knows he can be a top 30 player. And that's what we were talking about at the top of the show about draws. Sometimes it's like you just – you sometimes you're like the back players when they finally get a favorable first or second round draw, whether it's a guy like Bodic or a guy that's trying to break the top 100. Like, you draw is really everything. And that's why future yeah. betting, especially this far out, unless it's your Zico giving – Uh-oh. Out center to win uh, the Australian Open in November, yeah. Rublev. Like, I really think he's gonna be the year, and then boom, he runs into like a really terrible yeah. quarter. Uh, Kenny, want to get your last Rio pick while we're here? Hampton over Navone in this one. I mean, you're all in on Rio, which is great. Um, but Yannick Hampton laying some juice here, yeah. Well, I am, uh, I think a quarter German, so I have to say it's Hunfman, and yes, I do think right. that he uh wins this match. I just think that uh, you know. No one gives this guy enough respect. You know, he he's basically like I, I think he could be this year's Nico Jari. He's one of those rare clay serve bots, which don't really exist because it doesn't make any sense. But when he's playing his his good tennis, like when he's playing his A level, he's really really good. Uh, and and you know, yes, you can look at that match and go, yeah, there was a lot of fatigue for Jari, long week, but 
Uh, I, I think Hoffman all year has really played some decent tennis. You talk about draws like the Duckworth match in Brisbane even should have won that match. Just a couple of tough points at the end, hostile environment. Um, you know, Sonigo, another one. It was like a close match. And then he runs into Monfils and then he gets some, gets some wins going. But yeah, I think um, I think this is a guy that's playing some pretty solid tennis right now. And Navone is just in over his head, I think, at this point. I, mm-hmm. I think he's been he's had some flashes of like this guy's good, but you know, Coria was just absolutely gassed by the third set there. He already came, you know, he came through qualifying to build some form. Like, okay, I, I don't know. I just don't see like the big wins here over a guy that, you know, over guys that are going to be at the caliber of Hanfman today. So I I, I like Hanfman to win that match. I think he's a little underpriced. Well, a couple of things before we wrap up here. Los Cavos has some action. Um, it, two that I wanted to highlight. Just wanted to get your thoughts. No official picks. Maybe we can talk this out. Uh, Zico, man of the hour, Alex Mickelson, who has matched against Jordan Thompson. It's going to be an interesting one uh, as a dog after beating Demon Hour was fascinating to me. But any initial read on this one? I don't have anything in this match, but I would probably lean Thompson because I do think this is a real letdown spot. Like we just talked a little bit about it for Diaz Acosta. I think that was the biggest win of Mickelson's career. And I do think that Thompson's a really solid player. Like I think he's really underrated uh, compared to where he is on the tour. I think that there's a really, you know, there's a really solid game in there. And I think that he could just kind of make Mickelson make some mistakes and just kind of do his job of his way to winning that match. Yeah, Kenny, I don't know if you watched the Demon Hour match yesterday, and I was chatting with someone who was talking about Mickelson's backhand going into it and how well he's been hitting that shot. He, you know, had the – we were you were liking him, and a lot of people were in this very spot in Australia. He didn't have that match, but he's definitely progressing. Like, he, there's, there's going to be blips on the road, but he is really playing some elite-level tennis. And to Zico's point, though, this is the classic letdown spot. It is, but I mean, I don't know. I don't think he's going to, like, he's, Thompson's not going to hit through him. And I think that it's really one of his, the only ways he's losing about my Deucey Dimes that you just missed, Cupcake Kid, but Fonseca, Diaz, Acosta, and I also like Yannick Hoffman, and Zico likes Callan Sky to win a set, which is already looking pretty nice. Um, but I would say, <laughs> yes, uh, I think... I think this is a match I'd probably take Mickelson like Zico. I'm not, I'm not really on it because I haven't watched a ton of Thompson this week, but um, just style, you know, from the way he's been playing going into this tournament stylistically, I think that absolutely Mickelson should win this match. I think he should win. Okay. The, uh, the other one I wanted to throw out there, it's a little heavy, but just thoughts may be on the favorite in this one. Gasper Rude, Nuno. Oh, you're going to talk about Kova. Okay. All right. What is this? Tennis channel or Anis Hanel? Hey, yeah, this is how it works. Like, if you give picks, we lock it into the show. If not, well, it, if we didn't have lines last night on the matches, so it's tough. <laughs> okay, N- Nuno. I mean, uh, to answer your question, Nuno Borges. Okay, that's what I was getting at. Because you're a money line guy, Nuno to win this match. You think there's a realistic possibility? Casper Rude trying to get yeah, back no, up? absolutely. I mean, these are favorable conditions for Rude. Um, I, I, I've been a Rude believer to start the year, but. I mean, I would probably look at Borges to cover the spread here. That's what I. That's what I'd be looking at. I, I know I'm an underdog money line guy. I'm not quite this bold. Uh, I've been. I have been bold this year, but not quite this bold. But I do think Borges is still undervalued somehow, and he's just continued to grind out these matches. And he, I think these conditions are just as favorable for him. So uh, you know, he, he played on a lot of these at Texas A&M. So uh, I or no, sorry, not Texas A&M. Pretty good. Uh, Mississippi State. We stay all the same colors. That's why. 
I made yeah. that mistake. Texas A&M was Arthur Rinder next school. Anyway, um, yes, I think he covers the spread here. Okay. Uh, Zico, we have a one semifinal tomorrow in Dubai. Can't believe this is real. Uh, Kirstea and Paolini in a semifinal. Paolini got the walkover. Kirstea just keeps collecting top 10 wins. It's kind yeah. of impressive. Yeah, I think I'd go with Kirstea here. I, I thought that match was absolutely wild. Like I went to sleep thinking it was completely over. I woke up in the middle of the night, which was not nice. But I saw she was down a double break, came back to win. I just think that she's the better player, and I think that's actually a pretty good price on her. I would say, depending, I agree with that. I think, you know, Paley's playing some phenomenal tennis, but Kirstea, how she plays, can do a little bit more out there. I would also say that if Coco does win this match, whether it's straights or in three, We'll see what the odds are. But wouldn't you guys sprinkle a little Ega straight sets? Because we've seen that story time and time again when these two play. Yeah. What are the odds on that? I don't know. It's well, I don't know. Mr. Host? <laughs> well, it's not a set match yet, though. I mean, we may guess. <laughs> well, like, I mean, I, 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 would, I would guess I it'd be like minus 145. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a great. I don't think it's going to be a great price. Yeah, because I think wouldn't it be like minus three twenty or something on ego? You think she's going to? Wow. So that's. I mean, no. It's. I'm glad we're having this discussion because if that's the straight up ego versus Coco head like money line is like minus three twenty, that just shows you where they are right now in that matchup, which the head to head kind of speaks volumes for that as well. Um, All right. Well, I think we can wrap up with this, guys. It's been funny here on tennis bets. Remember to. Follow us on all our social channels as well. But I had one last question before we get going, and it's just an open-ended one. Do we have any future bets we like as we're getting ready for the Sunshine Double, clay court season, some majors? Um, Kenny, start with you. Any futures you've got your eye on or have already made? Uh, I've already made a bet. Uh, I did it last year on Ben Shelton to win the uh, U.S. Open. And I think the fact that he hasn't looked very good this year, I think you're still getting a little bit of value. Of course, I got like plus 6,500. He's now at... I believe 30 to one. I still kind of like it. Um, but yeah, if you want to look at uh, more uh, more f- features that are coming up, uh, definitely like Alexander Zverev to win Roland Garros. I think he's still around 20 to one. And um, I, I again, you look at the guys that are above him, you know, or ahead of him. I mean, Yannick Sinner, historically, Clay has not been his best surface. Alcaraz, we've talked about the issues with him. Djokovic, we haven't even seen since Australia. Obviously a deserving favorite. But like Holger Runa, bad season, back with Patrick. Medvedev hasn't played a lot. The clay wins, the clay runs may have been an anomaly. Kasparud hasn't shown us much this year. Stefano Tsitsipas, the tragic story of a one-handed backhand falling out of the top <laughs> 10. I think Alexander Zverev really is kind of the, the 1B right here, honestly. Like if you okay. want to take a guy that's not Novak and not a guy in Rafa Nadal that, you know, has has paper bones at this point or paper ligaments. I think you fire up Zverev at this number. I think that's an incredible price. Okay. There's some real logic in there that I agree with based on what Zverev's done and, as you said, the landscape of everyone else. Uh, Zico, I know you're always a future guy. Yeah, I mean, I'm with Kenny. I I think that Zverev, and I I know he just said he doesn't agree. I I think that Zverev or Rude – as plays to win the French Open, you just kind of hope that they get to the final and hedge it. In Zverev's case, maybe you don't even do so, but with Rude, you definitely do. But I do think that one of those guys can easily make a run to the final. And just as something I'm keeping an eye on is I do think that Carlos, if he's healthy, if this ankle thing is nothing, I would expect him to win Indian Wells. I just think that that's the absolute best conditions for him. I think a really slow hard court is perfect for him. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Holger and Patrick round two, or was it round three now? I think that I can see yeah. Holger winning uh, something at the Sunshine Double. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, my future would be that there is a uh, that there's another breakup in that coaching player relationship <laughs> with Holger within the next three months, and then they get back together before the end of 2024. I'm gonna set I'm gonna set the over under date at April 17th. Okay. Minus April 50, they break up again. Okay, April 17th. Is that after that's a win in Miami, though? I think I think that Holger could do some. No, that's after a second round loss to Francisco Sarundolo. <laughs> I mean, Holger's actually hilarious because someone tweeted him when they got back together, like, watch, you know, watch what supplements you take. And he's like, don't worry, man. My mom's got that under control. <laughs> so, like, he's oh actually God. responding to comments online. Um, the other one, the other one in seriousness, too, just to say, I mean, it might be a blind bet situation. The French still proven otherwise. Ego plus 110, I saw. That's her surface. And no, the uh, other one, the other one to say is Kova to win a set tonight against Stefano Tsitsipas. <laughs> Let's give this man some credit here. An American kid from the Upper West Side. Yeah, uh, I like him to win a set here. I think he's playing great tennis. I mean, and this is like I said, finally, you know, he, he had to wait for over a year oh. to get the right spot to finally make a run at a tournament. He's just had some tough draws. He's not like good enough to really be a guy that consistently beats the top 40 players. I think he runs into a version of Stefano Tsitsipas here that's just going to be a little out of it. I mean, this has been a tournament historically that he's done well at, but he's also had some times where he comes in and he 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 just like looks like out of focus and thinks he won the match coming out of the locker room. And we yeah. saw that weird match against Zverev when he was up killing him, and then all of a sudden it turned around and he lost. So like, yeah, uh, as as Cupcake Kid said, you know, two hideous backhands <laughs> in the war. I actually that's think really those backhands better. I think Kova's okay, backhand might be better than Steph's backhand. Me. And, yeah. you know, the other thing is that his clutch serving is, like, unbelievable, something he never gets yeah. credit for. Uh, he's very good at, at serving out of trouble. So I think this is going to be a very close match from beyond the game spread and maybe the set spread because it looked really spicy. But the only match we didn't talk about mysteriously, uh, maybe our host has it out for Kova. He's just not a Kova stand like the rest of us. Okay. All right. <laughs> we do this all the time. But, hey. Kenny got the fan club going here. Is this, uh, you know, got the fan club going here? So perhaps, uh, perhaps a fan of mine. Perhaps. <laughs> okay. All right. Just, just wanted to throw that out there. Love my, uh, I love great. my mother. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna guess, but then you know, if you get that guess wrong, it could be trouble. But <laughs> glad your mom is a fan of you. That's good. Uh, we're gonna yeah, just, wrap. Just there. a coincidence. Just another person with a tennis last name. She'll be oh, handling man. your supplements if you work with Murata Glue. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the Holger. The Holger is awesome. It's great. Um, all right, gang. Good show. Always a blast. Remember, everyone out there watching and listening, we thank you. You can watch the show on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and listen to the podcast as well. We're going to be back. Probably the next show will be the weekend before Indian Wells gets going. So we got some time off. We're going to get back. Everyone rest up for their Sunshine Double analysis because it's going to pick up from there. We're going to be off for a lot of tennis going forward. But for Kenny Ducey and Zachary Cohn, I'm Mitch Michaels. Thanks, everybody, for watching Tennis Bets. Good luck out there, and we'll talk to you soon.